I look, particularly people on my like executive leadership team, people that ask why, like they're like, they challenge the status quo, but in a good way. And they just keep peeling the layer back of the onion, right? Keep challenging, challenging, challenging. You ask why the fifth time and you get to the answer. Like, okay, now I, like, why? So, so anyways, like, I think that, like the, the ability to challenge the status quo in a very constructive and positive way to make leaders think differently than they would before, like that's inspiring and, and I think very, uh, and very valuable. Successors, welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. I am super excited about our guest today. We have none other than Scott Snyder, who is the president of the Exit Planning Institute, and he's also the operating partner of Snyder Premier Growth. Scott, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. I love doing this kind of thing. So it gets me out of the day-to-day grind, and it's something that we very much enjoy doing, for sure. For sure. So, Scott, today we have a fun topic that we're sure. really excited to dive in uh, into it with you. So the discussion of today is knowing your value, accurately valuing yourself, your business. We just want to pick your brain on what does value even really mean, okay? Sure. So to kick it off when when you hear the word value or in your world what does value actually mean both technically or even like um philosophically sure well i think you made a good point right i think that when i hear value uh i always think about life balance right so i think about myself as an entrepreneur as a business owner but i also think of myself as a a person right being a business owner is just a part of who i am and so uh, i would say if you're talking to me business owner to business owner and you're saying scott well what does the what is like the value of my company how what does that really mean what we talk about at epi is uh changing a changing a company from very a very successful company to a very significant one and i think that and and i don't know if you guys agree or disagree but i think many small to lower middle market american businesses consider themselves you know pretty successful right they got seemingly happy employees they've been at they've been at it for a long time they got a nice product or service they got engaged customers. They got a nice PNL, nice balance sheet, and, and seemingly year over year, pretty successful. Uh, when they go to transition their company, they're kind of slapped in the face because they're like, I can't believe that I make this much money, but no one wants to buy this. So they're actually not very significant at all. Or literally, I was just having this conversation, New Year, so I'm doing a lot of this stuff, doing a lot of partnership kind of calls, talking about what it looks like for the next 12 months or so. And this owner uh, was introduced to me by uh, one of our SEPAs, and he was having a little bit of a struggle. He's in his mid-50s. He's divorced. His kids are out of the house, so it's just him. Sold his company for like $20 million. He was calling me on a Monday morning at 9 a.m., and he was uh, playing pool, like billiards, in his basement in his boxer shorts by himself. And he's like, I am bored out of my mind. He's like, thank God you took my phone call. He's like, and I had the same conversation about value, right? He's like, you know, I did sell my company for what I wanted to, but I don't feel very valuable at all anymore because I'm playing billiards at 9 a.m. in my boxer shorts by myself because I didn't really think about what my life was like outside of being a business owner. So in terms of value of business, I always say it's something that's significant, something that's valuable, transferable, and aligns to the business owner's business, personal, and financial goals. 
the flip side, if you're talking to us as people, I think living a life that's very purposeful and intentional, I think when I think value, if I'm living on purpose with a set of core values, very intentionally, deliberately towards that path, I would say that I'm adding value to myself and to the other ones around me. So we could go deep, we could go philosophical, technical, mm. but that's kind of a, a little bit of a, maybe a, a splattering of, of feelings. I like that a lot. I think, Scott, if, if, if I'm being honest, in in the world of value, whether it's business or personal, I think a lot of people undervalue themselves, right? Sure. Um, because what I think, okay, for example, if you're trying to, to land, land a client and you and your price point is, is your, price, your price point, we say the normally people will say the price point, and then when once the client or the customer asks for a discount, we immediately give them the discount. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you can, sometimes you combat that, or just to make the sale or just to land the client, you capitulate to their demands, right? So, sure. But I think that understanding that in life as well is is very like on how to know what you're worth, know how to ask for things, know, and even when you're in business, understanding your business is enough to know that this is valuable to people, right? Because sure. like you said, Scott, a lot of people, like you, they have a business and they think they're valuable within this world. And then when it, like when it's time to exit or sell, nobody wants to buy it yeah. for whatever for whatever reason. And that can right. be a slap in the face. And you can maybe think that you've made a mistake or you got it, got into the wrong business. Um, but from a, from a personal growth standpoint, when that person is either trying to elevate their lives from a, whether, whether it's a promotion, whether to grow the business, how do you know what to ask for? And how do you know how to value yourself when you're going down that path? Yeah. Again, for me, I think it goes back to, I guess when we're going into uh, like selling our company, particularly looking at that personal side, I think like I, so I sold my first company in 2010. Maybe I answer the question with a story and I don't think I knew my own value. And I honestly, guys, don't even know if I really knew myself, right? I was 24 years old, had an opportunity to sell a company. Now I had an advantage because my dad was a certified exit planning advisor, right, Chris? <laughs> uh, so I knew probably more than the next guy and probably was a little bit more savvy than the next 24 year old. But nonetheless, uh, like I had no idea who I was outside of, of business. So I went from putting a high value on myself as Scott Snyder, the business owner, 24, pretty successful while everybody's kind of grinding at their cubicle jobs. You know, I'm driving a nice car. I own my own home. I have a five or six truck landscape operation and I'm competing with some of the big guys in town. So I guess in terms of value, right, you feel valuable, you feel wanted. Uh, but then when you go to sell your company, kind of like this guy in his boxer shorts, <laughs> I spent like... You sold it. I sold it basically on my birthday in April, right before the spring season hit. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. So it's like spring cleanup, mulching, grass is starting to grow, busy season. At about a six-month transition, and I felt like the guy in the boxer shorts. I was like, what do I do? Like what, you know, where, like where's, I don't feel, to, to, to what we're talking about, I don't feel all that valuable or, or wanted anymore. What I realized is that I let my business define who I was. So that's why I said, for me, going back to kind of where we started, for me, what I've learned is, you know, you got to live with purpose. And so over the years, you know, you've been able to develop and live on purpose. I've been able to find my purpose and what that is, but also live on a set of core values. And I think that bleeds into business, right? So you'll see that the, the collective core values of who Exit Planning Institute, our company is, 
is really a collection of everybody's personal core values here that have come together. Uh, and we literally make decisions on them. And people always laugh, my dad in particular, who's obviously my business partner, because I tend to be the guy that fires clients. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm totally the business owner that's like, okay, every year we do it, we have to do a customer cleanse. And not because mm-hmm. they're bad people, it's just because they're not, they don't fit our core values. We call them eight, nines, and tens. Like I want to be w- working one, twos, and threes. Eight, yeah. nines, and tens bring it down. Or Chris, to your point, they're the people like, well, I know my membership due is X. But, you know, yeah. I think it should be half of that. And I'm like, well, you know, like here's the va- talk about value. And well, here's the value and here's how it should return for you. If we could get it working for you, I think you could see it. So it's maybe like, again, probably dancing around a, a very direct answer. But that's kind of how I feel about that as owners in transition. So let me ask you this. Going back to 24-year-old Scott yeah. that – you know, you, you you had the business, it was going well, you got the money, you were definitely ahead of the pack when compared to other 24 year olds. You were, yeah. you were contending with the big boys in your, in your neighborhood, <laughs> you sell it. And then it seems like there was like this, this almost like limbo for a moment there. So right. the question I have for you is these values that you now have, or these principles that you live by, did they come about because of that period of time in your life? Like, did you discover them later in life or did you always have them and you just kind of stuck to them? Like you kicked them in late. This is a good question, right? I think that if you looked like, I don't think they were defined, right? So I think that there's maybe if there's, there's like seven of them. So I would say that probably three of them, you can like, if you talk to people that have known me since I've even been a kid, they're like, that is totally like just a way of Scott. Like that's just the way the guy likes to live his life. Mm. The other call it four came through uh, recently to be, if I'm being totally transparent, I, uh, in 2019 into 2020, the pandemic, like for probably many of us literally shook us to the core. Uh, you know, if you don't know uh, for the audience, our, our business is a professional education company you talk to me in March of 2020, we did 100% in-person programs. So the way I would describe it, right, is like I'm a manufacturer of nuts and bolts. So I have all these nuts and bolts, and they want to put them on the trucks, on the roller coasters, on the swing sets, on the toolboxes. But I don't have any, and I have a bunch of them. And people might have, in fact, bought them. But I don't have any trains, boats, cars, trucks, planes, none of that to get it to the customer. So in my business, mm. at the time, I had about 300 uh, professional advisors wanting to earn the SEPA credential, uh, and they were there was no programs for them to go to. And then there was a whole slew of people that wanted to go, but didn't sign up, couldn't sign up, because who the hell was going to an in-person program in March of 2020? Exactly. So in about 45 days, we had to make a pretty critical pivot in, in our company. And we remodeled our, our program to take it as an, as an online program. And we've been kind of going that way ever since. But I, I just tell you that story is that there's something to be said, right? You kind of feel kind of gritty, right? You kind of knew, like I always thought I was kind of a tough dude, both physically and mentally. Yeah. But I didn't really knew, know how hard uh, I could grind uh, until that happened, until you're really just kind of facing the end right in your face. What that allowed us to do, not just as an owner, but as the whole team here at API, was to really be like, we also, it was like kind of weird how like the universe or whatever anybody believes in, right? A God, a universe, whatever flow you believe in, 
kind of works because at the same time we had started a transformational leadership program that literally did just that. It transformed all of our lives. So during one of the hardest times, probably that we as, in, as younger individuals have certainly seen in our country and as business professionals, it allowed us to come together and, and, and sit back and relax. And then the fall of that year, I fall of 2020, I did a personal retreat uh, in a cabin in the middle of the woods for three days where I just kind of wrote and reflected. And I know you guys don't know me too well, but I'm a pretty extroverted guy. Like <laughs> I spend most of my time probably just hanging out with my people here. Not in like, they're like, Scott, we're wildly inefficient because you stand at our desk and talk to us all day. But, <laughs> you know, so, but it really sunk in. So getting to the, to the short answer is the rest of it fell into place in 2020, where we literally legitimately ripped the core values off the wall of this building, sat down, reflected and put them back on the wall. And when I looked at them and I said, not only are those things that we can live by as people of the exit planning institutes, as stewards to our customers, but I actually live that way every day in my life. Like for example, purposeful growth. Like mm -hmm. I believe we should always be learning and growing and challenging ourselves to mm -hmm. do not just things that we like to learn, but things that are like wildly uncomfortable. Like I'm reading a book right now about becoming a monk, something that like, I'm not a religious dude really at all, but like that lifestyle seems like wildly interesting to me. Uh, you know, I believe in the ability to be creative and innovative or collaboration. I believe in building things through teams. Uh, you know, I, so I believe in a, a culture of putting it on the table. What, what that means is like, if the three of us were working together and we have an issue that the way to get the issue solved so that it's not just building and building, then we have the boil point of like the Thanksgiving conversation that blow up, we actually put everything on the table. And if we have a, a, a constructive zone of comfort, we can solve things. So like, and I, if I looked at those answer your question, Brian, I was like, I actually live that way every single day. I do it with my friends. I do it with my employees. I do it with my parents. Uh, you do it. I do it with the kids. It's like, it's so anyways, I, you know, it took me some 36 now. So it took me nearly 10 years to really round that thing all the way out. Uh, and I, I feel very foundational right now. Like I feel like we pick things in the business and in our personal lives that fit that core value structure. And that hmm. makes me feel valuable. Like I know what my worth is, both tangibly and intangibly. Can you, can you just dive into that phrase, you feel very foundational now? Yeah. I think, I think I know what you mean, but I think you articulating what you mean by sure. it would be useful. Yeah, it's like, you know, I feel like the house is sturdy, you know, like I feel like whatever the best grade of concrete you could have and on the and the foot of your house, like that's what we poured into our into ourselves. And so like when I make decisions today, I know that it's a, in a, in a, in a with a with a with a mindset that is very strong, has a very strong foundation. And so I've been able to say no more to things and yes to things that are actually meaningful and valuable. As a business person, I've been able to delegate and elevate more so than I ever have. Uh, and not only today am I working on the things that I love, but I'm working on the things that I love that I'm good at and are the most valuable. Mm. And so, and I would say if I reflected over the past 10 years, you're kind of like just jumping on those little like lily pads across the pond, you know, like, okay, that one might sink, that one might float. And you're like, I th I'm not a bad guy, 
but I don't really, there's no rhythm for me. And so that's kind of what I mean by a foundation. I, it's just a very powerful experience. I don't know if you guys have done it yourselves to be able to say, I know what my purpose is and I'm making decisions in my life professionally or personally based on these set of core values. And so mm. I'm going to say yes and no based on those. So you're kind of like, wow, it just feels like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. And as business guys yourself, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got a lot. We got chaotic life. So, <laughs> For sure. you know. So it feels, it, mm-hmm. it feels, uh, feels good. 100%. Um, you're right. I think that, uh, I think that to, if I'm being honest with you, Scott, I think I'm, I'm, I mean, I can't speak for Brian. I can't, but I think I'm finding my purpose through this podcast platform. See, because yeah. ever, ever since, ever since I can remember, I would say going back to maybe 2010, 2011, I've always been inter- interested in success itself, but not just for me, but understanding it enough to where I can, you know, talk about it and people will talk about it with people who have either achieved it and then they can give value to the people who listen. But I didn't know at the time that it was going to evolve like nine, 10 years later to a actual podcast, which we started back in yeah. you know, 2021. But I've, I've been reading books. I've been doing everything with these successful people say and all this type of stuff. And I'm finding it more and more that I enjoy this a ton because we get to speak to people like yourself and other people and we get to like build those relationships and learn from them based on what they've done in their lives. Um, But I want to ask you something because I'm a huge believer in you have to act in the world that you're in and, and, and to pertain this to value uh, in business, as you know, Scott and Brian, you, you, you know, this too, it's a, it's a brutal world to be in, right? And w- w- what I mean by that is as much as people start a business and have this positive mindset, when you go against competitors, when you negotiate deals, people are at the table looking to see how they can get the most bang for their buck, right? Because sure. they're, looking, they're looking for the sucker at, at the table. So I'm saying that I'm saying that to say, what is the biggest mistake you see when people in terms of valuing themselves? Like what mistake is it? Because when you're at a table, I think that. um, Again, whether you're trying to improve yourself or trying to whether it's through promotion or whether it's starting a business or whether you're at the business table or or, or negotiating table to negotiate something that's going to better your business intimidation can come through and the people who are experiencing that world can make you feel like you're not as valuable as you think you are. Hmm, but sure. I think that comes either from confidence or from lack of knowledge. Right. So what, what is the biggest mistake that you see people make in terms of valuing themselves or their business? Well, I think, well, so I guess themselves, I would say biggest mistake for themselves is a, I don't think that they have like the case study, Right. I think that lack of confidence and lack of knowledge is like if I'm growing through my career and I'm asking for that promotion or asking for whether a monetary raise or a promotion and rank or and file, they don't have like the case study background. that's like that that's built. Talk about a foundation. Right. Like I can mm-hmm. tell you that I'm worth whatever it is, seventy five thousand dollars for this management position because I did X, Y and Z. So I guess better way to explain this, let's take my own business. 
So when you look at EPI, we certainly have the traditional hierarchy, right? Like you're kind of moving mm-hmm. up. But we also have this, and I'm sure other companies have this, right? I don't know if this is wildly unique, but we also have a competency chart going out wide, right? So you could grow up and you could grow wide. So I could mm-hmm. be a member experience representative at EPI and management isn't right for anybody, but growth is. So they want to be a member experience person, one, two, three, and four, right? You get more money, have more opportunities, have more bonus and incentives. But what it does in that chart is there's, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys were in Boy Scouts, right? I was in Boy Scouts and wore that cool sash with all those merit badges. <laughs> so at EPI, you could earn all these merit badges and it allows you to progress from like f- low level to high level. But instead of going this way, you're really just building outwards inside your current level. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to say, not just what are the skill sets do I need to build over the years to advance myself, but what accomplishments have I achieved? Have I gone and got a certification? Have I, like our operations manager right now is actually in charge of building out this hierarchy and this core competencies. So for her to get to a director of operations next year, that core competency chart needs to be totally built out. So when she goes to apply for the director of operation for both a monetary raise and a functional promotion, she could say, Scott, I know my value and my worth because I did X, Y, and Z, mm. and I've accomplished from a skill set level X, Y, and Z. And hell, maybe even wrote a little white paper about it and contributed it to the community. So to me, mm. I don't think people are that intentional. Uh, and I think people are just timid. You know, and I think they're timid because they lack knowledge and they 100%. lack confidence. But if they could depict that, and say, look, Scott, I built out this whole core competency thing for the 20 employees here at EPI. I went and got this certification. I read these three books uh, and I spoke in front of these people on this topic. I've earned and achieved these types of things. That's why I believe I'm the right person for this job. And I'm demanding a, a five or 10 or 20% promotion year over year. Uh, mm. You know, I would say, well, that's pretty hard. Like, honestly, uh, if you guys ever, a cool person to have on the show would be, Paige Waisaki, she is our marketing manager. Talk about like success factors. I met her when she was a uh, in college. She was an intern. She needed a internship to graduate, so she came here to work. And she was my first virtual employee. I'm not a virtual guy really at all as far as employment goes. Like I'm an in- extrovert, right? I, I want I can't sit in my house all day. But <laughs> so she was she was like Scott. I got to go back to school, but I like want to work for you. So here's my proposal to keep me on board, but I have to work virtually and I'll come in, uh, I'll come in twice a month so that we could be in the office. So she went from, and this is like maybe over the course of four years, marketing intern to marketing coordinator to marketing manager. She now runs the team of six people right outside this door that I'm sitting at. And Mm. she's like 23 years old. So my point being is, reminds me of the story, Chris, because I'm sitting in her performance review at the end of last year in December. And I gave her what I thought was a pretty good raise. Yeah. But you could just tell in her eye, and I know her well enough that I'm like, you're not all that happy, are you? And she's like, <laughs> Scott, well, you missed a few things. I'm like, okay, put it on the table. Let's talk about it. Because, I, I mean, I'm a fair guy, mm-hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> tell me what I'm missing. And she said, Scott, if you remember, right out of the gate in the beginning of last year, we rebuilt the entire member center. So I built it on a new platform, new content, revised content. That was debuted on like February 1st of 2021. We did that. I also got my certified marketing professional designation from the Digital Marketing Institute. I did that in March. 
So then she started to build these things and I'm like, holy crap. Like I literally <laughs> forgot about all that because honestly, it's a compliment guys. Like you're just so good at what you do. The yeah. next thing is even better than that. And then I'm like, oh my God, we're like 12 months. That happened this year. I was like, I thought that was like two years. Like I thought we already paid you for that. And she's like, no, oh, man, sure. that was to start out of the gate. So I'll commend her because she got another raise and she got a pretty significant bonus. I sat back down with my partner. And I was like, dude, I think we need to give her an additional bonus, uh, like a one-time bonus for her work. So she knew her value because she had the case study. So mm. I would say that, and that made her confident to sit in front of me and go, you know what? Like, dude, I think you got this wrong. I did this, this, and this, all due respect. But like, this has added a lot of value to your company. And I said, you know what? You're, you're damn right. right. You know, <laughs> yeah. like you're right. You're right. So that's how I would think that that like having those case studies allows you to build confidence and knowledge and and really hit a home run. You know what? I, I, before you speak, Brian, I want to talk. I want to speak to that because you're 100 percent right. I was looking at this. Uh, I was um looking for this law. I'm reading. I'm currently reading the 48 Laws of Power, and okay. um. And, and law and law 13 says when asking for something, appeal to people's self-interest, never to their mercy or gratitude. Right. So what what, what, he, what he means by that is I was uh, I was watching. Um, there's this negotiation class by Chris Voss. I took that class. Right. And then yeah. he says, as as an employee, as an employer, employers okay. look at employees as selfish. Right. He said, because when you're saying that, when you come into your boss's office and you're asking for a raise because you just feel like you've been there for 10 years. But yeah. but, like, but but like you just said, Scott, you don't build a case study out to, to this is why I need this raise. Right. As opposed to say, Scott, I've been here for 10 years. I just feel like I deserve a fifteen thousand dollar raise. Yeah, like, said, yeah like, standard two to five percent, you know, like just because I've been here. Exactly. One hundred percent. So what, what he said was. As employees, you have to flip that, right? Meaning you have to make the case of giving you this amount of money. How can that help your employer look better? For So if, I, if I'm asking for a raise or I'm asking for this promotion, how does this promotion help Scott, the business owner or the employer, get more money themselves, right? So if I become Absolutely. the right? So if you come Absolutely. in there and yeah, so so that's what when you were saying, and I'm like, oh, she did exactly what Chris Voss said to do, right? She did, right? Hey, she Scott. maybe she, hey man, maybe she read that book, right? Like, <laughs> she, yeah. she knocked it out of the park. She came in, and I got bamboozled, right? I was like, man, this lady's read the read the the principles. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think you're right? exactly right, though, because it's act as a business owner. So right now we're venturing into my world a little bit about like how does that turn a better net profit? How does mm -hmm. that make people happier here so that we retain better people? Or how does that add more value to my company, right? So those are the type of things, how I like my folks to talk about. Now, we're probably biased, right? Because we're the creators of the value acceleration methodology is the whole purpose of what we teach. So our people have that value acceleration centric mind. So Paige does come in and say, Scott, because we built this new model for your members, our member renewal rate went from 80% to 92% in one year. Mm. So that's in one year, more revenue for you. And because you have better client retention and better client engagement and interaction, your business value actually went up. So it's almost like exponential growth. You're making more money year over year, but you're getting a higher multiple now on your business. Plus the content in there is all revised and now protected through our IP, our, our, our IP attorney. And then 
we analyzed all the 3,000 SEPAs that are interacting in this new center. We have data that shows their user experience so that now we could better that along the way. Hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I think you're probably worth a 15 or 20% raise. Okay, fair. But yeah, 100%. Because she showed me the math. She showed me the math. She showed me the value. And she said, Scott, you're making more money. You're making X, X more money. And, and given that we've secured what we would call more intangible capital of the business, strengthened our intangible capital, your business is likely more valuable. And I'm a big, like, decentralized myself. Like, I love being an entrepreneur, guys. But I also love jumping in my RV and going up to the islands here on the Great Lakes and spending a week <laughs> with my family, right? For like, sure. I am a life balance kind of guy. And she's like, now that we have this more secure, we don't need you as much, Scott. Let's go, go take an extra RV trip this year. And I'm like, mm, so you know what I'm saying? So she's spot, you're spot on. It's, she pitched value to me. And I was like, you are, not only is that valuable, but you're valuable. Talk about like human capital. Like that's, that's an A player. That's someone that you do not let go. And for anybody that's listening, she is not on the market. Okay. She's not on the market. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. She appealed to your interest. Right. And, but she make yeah. it, she made it make sense. She didn't just say, Hey, well, just thank you for this raise. She, she had, she had the confidence to say that to you based on what she did and she appealed to your interest. Right. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I mean, if you make this amount, I can you can at least give me fifteen to twenty percent of that, right? You know, it's like yeah, or like well, the, like absolutely. We just did new uh, uh, compensation packages for like our member experience team, which are basically like account managers, and uh, they they're like they're, they asked me for one percent of gross revenue, but split split between the three of them, and they said we and they gave me a pitch, and I granted. I just actually I just signed their new comp agreement on Monday. So they're going to get 1% of gross revenue. Uh, but they showed me how they're actually going to make me more, keep people entangled, and keep our renewal rates at 92%. 92%. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is another, probably a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down. It's like, how much how much money can one have, right? So it's like 1% of revenue, like I think to keep really good people around, to motivate them, to make them feel more like owners, that's well worth, that's well worth the 1%. 100%. So let's let's take it from a uh, big picture perspective. Let's say sure. we have a, a listener listening in right now, uh, and and they're saying to themselves, "Give me two or three things." And I want to ask both Chris and Scott this: Give me two or three things that, generally speaking, will make me more valuable in the workforce. What would those like two or three things be? Regardless of industry. Regardless of industry. Yeah. As a person. Right. I'll give you my reflections um, and then see if that okay. inspires some conversation. I think people that are open to learning. So people that are going out of their way to read books about business, to read books about self-improvement, to read, you know, like you're reading a book right now about are you rule, reading the rules of Saint Benedict? I'm guessing, Scott, on uh, living the monk's life. Uh, no, it's like this guy that literally was a computer programmer and then literally changed his whole life, and now he's a monk. So what? I, I'm telling you, dude, I forget what the book's name is. It's just I literally is one of those like I listen to books in the car, yeah, and it yeah. like came up as like. 
So one of the things that I've been trying to do is I am, I'm like a massive like business book reader, but I don't read a lot of books outside of business, right? Like I'm not reading like a Harry Potter thing. That's just like not my thing, (laughs) but I don't read a lot of like personal growth stuff. I know. And I used to, like I grew up, you know, I grew up pretty Catholic, right? I pretty, pretty much as white suburban America Midwest as you could possibly get. That was me. So my world was like about as big as this little screen that I'm on. And then I started to, to, open up. And I was like, man, there's a lot of obviously a lot of stuff I don't know here. And as an adult, you just get so busy, I guess. I don't know. You know, you just that you don't. I read a lot that directly affects my business, right? Like I learned that. Now I'm putting that in there. But no, this book came up and it's living like a monk. So it's just like it's a story of this computer programmer guy that quit and became a monk. To so better his there, life. But there you go. This is this is a good example, right? That sounds like Jay Shitty. But go ahead. It could be Jay Shetty. It could be what's that guy's name? The Surrender Experiment. Experiment. Oh man, I can't remember. But you know, th- there's you're adding a layer of complexity to the person, Scott. Yeah. Like, like there, there's something. You're not just like a cookie cutter. You know. You know, automaton. There's an element to you that goes deeper than just That's true. business, 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 business. And I view that as valuable. Value. As well, right. Yeah. I would say that I would probably chalk that. I would put that up there as like, if I had two or two to maybe even four things, like what's that like proverb or whatever the heck it is. It's like a way of life saying that's like, ask why five times and you'll get to the root of the root of the answer. Mm-hmm. So like I look particularly oh, people on my that. like executive leadership team, People that ask why, like they're like, they challenge the status quo, but in a good way. And they just keep peeling the layer back of the onion, right? Keep challenging, challenging, challenging. You ask why the fifth time and you get to the answer. Like, okay, now I like why? So, so anyways, like, I think that like the the ability to challenge the status quo in a very constructive and positive way to make leaders think differently than they would before, like that's inspiring. And, and I think very uh, and very valuable. I just want to touch yeah. on that on that point, and then Chris, I want your input on the okay. two or three things. It's kind of like you're saying this, and it's making me think of. Uh, I, I think I've made this reference before, like progressive jazz or progressive rock. It's like a whole genre uh, you could do it with any art, really, where it's just kind of people out on the fringes of what could be in art and in music, and a lot of it is nonsense and. It will never be used, but every once in a while, they'll hit a few chords that totally change music forever. And if right. all you're doing is studying classic music, you're going to always be in the box of classic music. You got to have some people out on the fringes trying new things, reading new things, having new experiences in order to allow creativity to occur and, and maybe hit gold. But Chris, we want to leave you out. Give me some thoughts. Two or three things that can make you more valuable regardless of industry. I think one of the first things is have a good attitude. Um, That's like, that's very, very basic, but it can take you a very, very long way in the business world, especially if you're doing something that you're not, that you don't want to do now, because a lot of people, when they start out, they, they think that uh, you got to be doing what you want to do today. And Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. You have to, progress so for example if you're working at scott's company you want to become a director you don't start out as a director you start out at maybe the bottom 
right? Unless you transfer in. You're, sure. If you start at the company with aspirations to become a director of Scott's company, you don't start out as a director because you don't really know much. So how can you progress throughout the hierarchy if you have a terrible attitude being at the bottom of the totem pole? Because the bad, yep. the, that bad attitude is going to let your supervisors and bosses know, like, you don't even appreciate this. So how can I give you more responsibility if you don't do if you don't have a good attitude to where you are now? And then two, just do a good job. See, it's funny. It's like it's like I, I forgot who said this, but it says that it, go, it goes for employers and employees. It says jobs stands for uh just over broke what they mean by that is it's like the job pays you just enough for you to keep coming back and you work just enough to not get fired but if you have but if you have that mentality you're always going to stay there because a re- because a, if you have a really good job and you're making a, a a significant amount of money yeah you may be an employee but you're valuable in that company Right. So if you have if you just do a good job today, somebody's going to notice that, man, Brian and Scott, anytime it doesn't matter what they do, they do it with a good attitude and they do a good job at it. Right. Because your name is attached to your work. So if you had just if to me, if you have those two components, a good attitude and just do a good job, you you're whether you're an employee or business owner. That can take you to the moon because of that. Not saying that you're going to always want to do uh right what you're doing but you have a good attitude in doing that because this is what you have to do you, you can go very very far it's funny that you mentioned that chris like uh when my dad listens to the show he'll appreciate this comment right so uh he i could always remember growing up right like traditional just sitting on the knee he said son you do everything with a good attitude and always try he's 100%. like that's all i ask attitude and trying attitude and trying you always be like if he gets real mad at me as a 36 year old man, he'll be like two things, Scott, two things. And I'm like, attitude and trying still know it. He's teaching his little grandson, Finn, attitude and trying, you know, kid can't even talk. He's seven months, doesn't even know what's going on. Attitude and trying. So, but yeah, I would, I would say like that, you know, when you, when you start talking Chris about like attitude and stuff too, I honestly think, so one of my favorite movies is Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Mm. If you remember, he's yeah. like that bouncer, you know, he's yeah. like the cooler <laughs> and he's in that scene where he gets to the double deuce and he's like, just be nice. Just be nice. He's like, you know, well, somebody spits in my face. You want me to be nice? He's like, yes, I want you to just be nice. And I think honestly, it, it is such a, it's funny, but it's such a life lesson that eat like, it's kind of like, like I'm on, I'm on Delta airlines, total flight chaos, canceled flights, fees, all this crap. Mm-hmm. I got a pretty good status too. So I'm like, why are you charging me these fees and stuff? Yeah. I used to travel 220 days out of the year, but I was nice. And literally at the end of the late, the day, the lady was like, you know what? We'll turn those into credits for you. I'm sorry, Mr. Snyder for your, for your hassle. And she literally said, you know, just thanks for being easy to work with and being respectable because honestly, she's on the other line, probably sitting in a cube. It's not her freaking policy. She's just trying to do her job. 100%. So it's like, why are you ripping me? Like I was the director that wrote this, this thing. So like to me, it's like a- having a good attitude, but it's like being nice. If you really want to get something that you really want, just be nice to the person, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't know what's going on in their life behind the scenes. Uh, and I would, I'm, I guess, or maybe I'm just kind of like, like in the pie in the sky clouds. But I, I think most people are good, man. I think most people are good. I think a lot of people are just a little lost. 
And I think the world would be a hell of a lot better place if we just treat each other with like a little bit more respect. 100%. And so I think like that kind of stuff. I'm also thinking like, uh, uh, I think the ability to see both sides and make an informed decision, right? So I'm thinking what also would better our world is not to get political, but if you're looking at the two sides of our political spectrum, just to have the people from the right understand more about the people on the left and the people on the left stand a little bit more about the people on the right. And mm. we might actually get to better decisions, but we can't possibly make informed decisions if we can't see the world in their perspective. And so it's like, to me, I really, and that's something that I do. I really, cause it's not like all 20 of us here at EPI have the same ways of life and, and we have a set, we have a set of core values, but that doesn't make that we believe in the same types of core things in life. 100%. So like sitting down with some of my employees sometimes to just li- like I might wildly disagree with them, but it's be- <laughs> it's I know talk about a solid foundation again, Brian. I know that I did everything in my in my being to actually understand the way they were thinking. And maybe we could come to a joint decision or maybe we can't. But 100%. at least I'm trying to make informed decisions. And I think for the kids in the world, too, when they get up to vote and do all these things that are the, the nice things that we have in America. I, I hope that they understood both sides and they didn't say, well, you know, I'm a Republican because my dad is, or I'm a Democrat because my dad is. Well, why? So like, I don't know. I think the ability to understand two sides of something and then make an informed decision, I think is unique. I think, I think it's challenging to sit down and talk to somebody that has some, a polar opposite viewpoint of the world and be able to have like a construction conversation. I think that that is yeah. something that I, I think is, is valuable. You have to 100%. be okay with potentially being wrong. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people are not comfortable yeah. with. Because <laughs> yeah. if, if, if Chris and I are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum on a particular topic, and my mind is shut off from hearing what he's saying, that that's really more of an ego thing. Because what if Chris ends up saying something that begins to change my mind. And then all of these years I've been standing by those set of principles. And now all those Stuff years day. I've been, that's a bad day, but an important day. And a lot of people Very. aren't willing to have that day. A lot you know of people what? Will, will die not living that day. You're hundred percent right. You know, this is why from a, from a business perspective, why I appreciate Warren Buffett so much. Right. So he's been investing money. So he's 91 years old, him and his business partner, Charlie Morgan's like 97. But the reason why they've been so distilled to Warren Buffett's name is synonymous with investing. That's how good he is in it. But he he right. got that way because he said something to me that that just stuck with me forever. He um, and it's, that's going to stick with me forever. He said that you always remain a student. Mm. He said if you always remain a student, which means open to learning, then you're able to continue to adapt. And you're able to continue to be on top of your game because you're willing. I can name a few companies right now who are out of business because they refuse to adapt their business. 100%, they, refuse, man. they refuse to learn something new. Warren Buffett was against technology for a long time. Yeah. Not, not because he didn't understand it, but he didn't think that that's what something he he was because he understood. If you talk to him about it, you're like, he knows a lot about it. But why does he isn't, isn't investing? Because remember, where wherever he grew up in, then he started True. dabbling in Apple and then Amazon and then these other companies that turn that are business, but they have tech components to them. So it's like if you remain a student and remain willing to, because he reads a ton. I'm like you, Scott. Brian, tell you, I have a 
room full of business books. I love to read about right. business, right? Yeah, so me too. that's just me. But uh, Brian too. Brian has his whole treasure trove of like business books. But um, but if I remaining a student will always keep your mind open because you can never learn. You you'll be surprised what what you learn from somebody younger than you are or your children or somebody who has a polar opposite viewpoint, viewpoint. of the world. Yeah. Right? Purposeful growth, man. I'm telling you. Purposeful growth. I um I know that we're probably getting close to time, but there there was just one thing that uh, I'm on vacation right now, believe it or not. Uh <laughs> at my buddy's house. I'm like I'm I'm down this like very long driveway in Maine, deep in the mountains <laughs> somewhere, which is I, I'm so happy to be here. But um, I was talking to uh, my cousin. She was one of the pit stops on my trip. And she was talking about the difference in disposition between the East Coast and West Coast. She's from sure. right by where you are, Chris, in New York. Mm-hmm. And then she lived in Portland, Oregon for about five, six years. She said, and this is going into Scott's point on respect and having kindness in your heart. She said on the West Coast you'll rarely see people arguing at like restaurants or at like delis and whatnot. Um, (laughs) And she's like, even if they get the order wrong, people are respectful and considerate to one another. She goes, when I lived in New York and this is her talking, she's like, if somebody (laughs) gets the order a little bit wrong, they forget the mail, like a fist fight could break out at some deli in like Brooklyn over that. Right. (laughs) Yep. And she goes, and I think it's because of the difference in like the, the cultures of the areas. But she said in Portland, it was like a lot of um, like Scandinavian families settled there. And she's like, and in their culture, it just things weren't, you know, if it was the dead of the winter and somebody messed up your sandwich, you're just happy to have a sandwich. So like, you're not. <laughs> it's you're, true. It is true though, man. It's like, yeah, I totally with that. Totally with that. So you're not going to like fight with the guy that just made a sandwich because he forgot one thing. You're just thankful to be alive and to even have a sandwich. So you're like, disposition is like, you're a lot more, you're okay with chilling about certain things. On the yeah. East Coast, that's not the case. She's like, it's honor based. She's like, if somebody does something a little bit wrong, it's because they slighted you and, and they were dumb yeah, and yeah. they made a mistake yeah. and they're dropping the ball because they're lazy and you need to get even with them and make them know your thoughts. And I was like, man, oh, man, there's something to that. <laughs> she is right. right. And you got to think about like what how the other pe- person is receiving that, too. Like that person's exactly. probably working their ass off, busting <laughs> oh tables and stuff. I was at an Italian place for dinner with my girlfriend on Friday night. Two top tables. The guy's next to us. He's probably a sixty-five-year-old guy. He had like a you know a cocktail glass and he had like a little chip in the brim. You know yeah. what I'm saying? How it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like it's not he's not like cut. His lips not flying off. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> his wife was like, "Hey John, like you just watch that glass. There's a chip there." And he was like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe this place." It was so loud and obnoxious <laughs> that like me and Joy, my girlfriend, are like looking at this guy like, "Dude, it's, it's a, a chip in your glass." Mm-hmm. Me. I would just turn the glass turn over and drink out of this side. Exactly. When a lady wrist. came over, right when a wait lady came over, I'd be like, "Hey, there's a little chip in here, so you don't get in trouble. Just chuck this glass in the garbage. Like it's fine." Like, but this guy, to your point, Brian, maybe it's a Midwest thing too, man. Like this guy was <laughs> like irate, and I'm like, dude, these these service folks are going through a global pandemic. I'm telling they you, probably, most of them are probably out of work for a year. 
And like, it's like, dude, there's a little chip in your glass or just be like, be nice. Just be like, Hey, there's a chip in the glass. Can you get me a new glass? Like, I mean, maybe if my like lip was literally bleeding and I needed a couple of stitches, I'd be a little bit more upset, but it's like, it's not that lady's fault. Like it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been uh, to Portland, but I've been like Seattle. And I would say the people are nicer up there. For sure. <laughs> what I'm actually I'm I'm from Georgia, so I you know okay we're uh they're they're like that not like they're they're more nicer down there too. Yeah, they they how would they do it? In, yeah. How how would somebody in the South handle a chipped glass or a yeah, chipped chip sandwich? I don't think it'll be, they'll tell you because again it's like they they like to talk down there, so it's just like you know hey you, you know my glass is chipped, do you mind? Or like you said, them I know me personally, I would just turn the glass around and then I would just tell the lady. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's what I would say. That, that's like, just yeah, that's like, me. I don't care if you had a one star or a five star. I just turn the glass around like no big deal. Yeah, right? that's it. Alcohol and, in the glass still tastes the same. They made a fabulous gin and tonic. Can't really mess that up. <laughs> you know, like chip glasses at ruining my day. One hundred percent. And and like Scott, I would say, hey, listen, you know, just because you you know people are litigious, right? So make yep. sure you you know you grab you you chuck this glass and make sure that you don't because somebody will see that and try and purposely cut their lip and oh my oh, god, god. I can't, yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole story we could probably go down. Um, the purpose will hurt. Oh, my lip. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> hey, Scott, this has been an, an amazing conversation. We want to give you the platform to tell our listeners who, where they can find you. And if they're interested sure. in the SEPA cool. designation, where to, they can go. And yeah, sure. Work. So if you're a, a business owner, a business leader, a professional advisor, somebody that's looking to grow a more significant company, go to Earn SEPA. So SEPA is Certified Exit Planning Advisor, C-E-P-A. So EarnSEPA.com. You can get all kinds of information, whether the designation is right for you or not. If you're looking for good quality content on how to grow a better business, it's certainly there. If you're also looking for some more raw and real stuff, maybe how we are driving today, just go on LinkedIn, type in Scott Snyder, S-N-I-D-E-R, and I share all kinds of content, probably at least a post a day of thoughts, white papers, research, all kinds of stuff about my journey as a business owner and the work that we do through our SEPAs and and through our, our EPI community. So, Thank you guys for that. So either Scott Snyder with LinkedIn or EarnSeba.com. 100%. And su- successes, you already know how, how this works. We will have all of Scott's links, EarnSeba.com, his LinkedIn page, so you can easily connect with him there. Cool. Brian, my, Brian, my friend, please take us home. Well, successors, we had a lot of fun talking with Scott Snyder today. We will see you all next time. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.